Welcome everyone to Yay Live. This is a loyalty podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. We are here to help brands navigate the new economic landscape by growing sustainably to achieve a long-term success. And for today's episode, I'm really excited to welcome Yuan Monk. Yuan has over 25 years of experience in e-commerce. He's been working in management, sales, marketing, and global expansion department in international retail and wholesale companies such as Esprit, H&M, and Ulook. He's currently the CEO at Polana Pirat, a Swedish brand for baby and children's wear that started in 1976 with the goal of making clothes that let kids be kids. In Sweden, Polana Pirat clearly doesn't need an introduction because they've been named Sweden's greenest clothing brand every year since 2011 and are deeply committed to the sustainability and durability of their products. So from their focus on using eco-friendly materials to the second-hand store, Yuan and his team at Polona Pirate are dedicated to positively impacting the environment. But another crucial trait of Polona Pirate is their continuous work building strong customer relationships. There is an excellent customer loyalty program with great benefits for the most loyal customer in place, and we certainly have a lot to learn from them. So let's get started then, Yuan. Welcome to Yay Live. Thanks for having me, Sophie. Yeah, so my name is Johan Munk. I'm the CEO of Polana Pirat. You had a very good presentation of our company. <laughs> so we started in the 70s with the focus of kids' clothing that are allowing the child to be a child, and especially being out and play. We live up north in the world. It's a great place to live, but you don't live here thanks to the beautiful weather. <laughs> there is a Swedish saying, there's no bad weather, there's only yeah. bad clothing. It doesn't rhyme at all in, in English, but that's a little bit where we come from. Yeah. And already from start, the focus was on, on making durable clothing that could be handed down. So quality has always been one of the guiding star in the company. Today, we have a turnover around 800 million Swedish crown, Impressive. 80 million euros. We sell half of what we sell is online. The rest is in physical stores. Uh, we're present on 12 sites in different parts of the world. Our home market is Sweden, of course, but we have core markets in Norway, Finland and the UK, and they each represent 12 to 15 percent of total sales. Cool. Yeah, I think, of course, you know, Poland and Pirate is very much known as a brand like for its commitment to sustainability. And you've been named Sweden's greenest brand in the clothing category every year, actually, since 2011. So it's, I think, an incredible achievement. And sustainability has become a hot topic for many brands. But many of them, you know, like place their marketing activity around that and communicate a lot about it to drive more sales, even though they might not necessarily like tick all the boxes. So I'm just curious to ask, how do you communicate your sustainability values to the customers and how do you make sure that it's really not perceived as greenwashing, but they really understand that it's a true commitment of the brand? We're working in a sector that is hugely polluting in the world. So what we can do and what we can contribute with is that the quality of our clothing is good enough in order for it to be a hand-me-down. So we're working with a mission called Three Kids in Every Garment. And that's, of course, it starts with conception of the product and how we design it so that it actually should last. And therefore, also, we have a lot of long-life products. We do, of course, have newness every season, but we are not a fashion company. We are a slow fashion yeah. and with a big portion that is just long life. So what we try to communicate is that our clothing should be durable. We are not a fast fashion, low price brand. So, of course, the quality has a price. Mm. And therefore, then, we have... Actually, during the pandemic, we started with the second hand in store. Yep. 
maybe a questionable timing when there was no one in the stores, <laughs> but it was a good starting point also for us to well, try and error. We've gone from starting only with the outerwear that represent more or less half of our sales. Oh. Now it's everything except underwear that we, yeah. that we accept. Every store is like a small community. The people come with their secondhand hand-me-downs. We buy them back, so we share the margin. And they get gift vouchers that they can use at Pura Nampyret to buy either other secondhand yeah. items or first-hand items. Yeah. And that's something we communicate quite a lot around. We see also when we engage with our customers and we talk, for example, in social media about sustainability. When we talk about this, we get a lot more engagement from our customers than a normal uh, communication with just telling, uh, look at this yeah. nice new product. That shows a little bit that... Uh, our customer base, they, they expect this from us. And we've got that kind of customer who aims and looks for sustainability because, as you said, we have had that reputation in Sweden since ever. I think it's super interesting that basically you attach sort of like sustainability with durability. And I understood also like in what you said that basically, yes, you do communicate about it, but customers actually do experience it. Mm. Because I actually see that the product that they buy for their kids is durable, that they can use them for the second kid and yeah. then like sell it secondhand. So it, it sounds a little bit like, you know, you just, you also like show it in what you basically deliver in the product. Yeah. And then of course, like then the communication sounds very like true to itself mm. because they can actually experience it. Yeah. 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 yeah we, we prefer that the customer recognize it and see it themselves than that we are standing on a high green pillar trying yeah. to communicate <laughs> values that might tend to become greenwashing. We are very careful in yeah. how we communicate because we don't want to be a part of, of greenwashing. But of course, we cannot only be quiet. We, we need to tell the customers what we do. Yes. Because at the end of the day, we are a company and we, we need to, to run the business. And one of our pillars is sustainability. And we believe that that is a part of, of what's the future. You can see now with everything that is coming up with the EU regulations that is yes. coming. Mm. where it's putting much more pressure on us as a company. And we really welcome that. Uh, I hope that they go all the way and that is actually going to be quite severe because we have done a lot of that work for years, but we need to sort of work from bottoms up. Yeah. So that other colleagues in the business who are a little behind, they yeah, exactly. need to run quicker because otherwise we're, we're going to hand over a planet that is really not worth living on if we don't act now. So. It is very urgent and we really welcome the, the new tougher regulations from the yeah. EU. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% with you on that one. And I mean, that's also why one of the reasons why we created our own company, because mm. we have seen you know, like the number of clothes who actually end in landfill. And we believe fashion company have actually responsibility for the end of life of the product. And in that case, actually, yeah, of course, like Ronan Pirat is doing a great job in taking back the clothes mm. when the parents cannot use them anymore because the kids have grown out of them mm. and make sure that they actually you know reach another family. In the case of Poland and Pirat, I think what's very interesting in the business model is to sort of like say we will grow the company and you know, sell more by actually producing less. Mm. Uh, because you produce... <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm asking you, how does that work? Because I can say you want to produce like less items. And that's also like the discussion we had, like you're not a fashion company, so you don't want to like produce a lot of different items, but like really come back to your core product mm. and also sell secondhand. But how... Like there is probably like something, you know, positive out of that, which actually brings more customers to the yeah. store. So maybe you can elaborate a bit on that. In our way of looking at it, it's of course then selling less pieces for a higher value. Yeah. So it is to put more value into each item. It's to, to also make sure that we sell with less discounts. 
That is sort of the formula that we're looking at. And the climate impact we put is, of course, the amount of pieces we produce. So if we are better on in planning and better on in in selling more at full price, yeah. actually we need to produce much less to achieve our financial goals. And, and that is where sort of the equation goes together. Yeah. Of course, like you want to... Um sell items are the quite you know, good quality comes with a high price, but in a situation where inflation is hitting one's wallet. So, and parents actually spend a lot of money on your kids' clothes and they grow out of it so fast. So I think the second hand, you know, line is very interesting to bring like maybe people who could not afford full price Poland period. Do you see that trend? And then do you see these people actually, because they see the quality and they see that they can actually then sell it second hand, would buy full price item? Yes, that is a great way for us to to have the traffic to our stores and the second hand becomes our entry price level yeah so for someone who then thinks maybe that we're too expensive for them we have all respect for that and as you say also mm. it's quite a lot of pressure on, yeah. on all us and especially the families so of course they need to balance their budget and in that case if they buy a second hand pull on period item it's going to be very good. It's going to be durable and it's going to keep their children warm and happy. I think it's something which actually is interesting because I myself sit when I buy now things, you know, for my son. Mm. I'm actually thinking, okay, sometimes I have two options. I can buy like this maybe cheaper item, but I know it's not going to be that durable and I will not sell it secondhand at all. Like mm. it will just, you know, be like thrown away. Or I can actually buy something which is more expensive. And then I know because it's a durable brand i know that i would actually be able to sell it second hand so yeah. then my choice would actually go there because i know that maybe okay just now <laughs> i will have to like pay the full price but i would actually get some money back later on yeah to which will allow me to buy something new yeah absolutely we see the demand for second hand is huge yeah so that is one of our challenges at currently that as soon as we get in good volumes of second hand items into our stores they disappear as quick yeah. as they they come in, so the, the the stock levels are a little too low to be able to really drive the sales of, of secondhand, okay. but that's a positive problem. So we're, yeah. we're asking our customers to bring back more secondhand to our stores yeah. so that we can circulate them and sell them to a new happy family. Yeah. And that's also something with the sort of the image of secondhand has completely changed yeah, the last years. Yeah, yeah. And now it's much more acceptable in a broader perspective to buy secondhand yes. anywhere. The potential tough times ahead with uh, macroeconomic yeah. impact on the society is just going to boost the second hand due to the simple fact that people have less in, yeah, in their yeah, wallet. Yeah. So they need to buy clothing, the children are growing and uh, therefore the second hand will be a bigger part of the whole sector. And obviously for us, which we're already big in second hand, will be a growing part of our business. Very interesting. So if we talk a little bit more about lo your loyalty and membership program, which of course like is, is a very interesting like part of your overall strategy. For me, it's easier to have like loyal customers when you sell kids' clothes because kids outgrow their clothing and they have you have to buy new every year. But you said something interesting about the lifespan of the customer yeah. and like recruiting new. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, being a children's wear brand, it's obvious that the lifespan of the customer is quite short. So we have our sizes go up to 10, 12 years old. And after that, they have literally speaking outgrown a brand. brand. Yeah. And so we have a shorter time than maybe if you're a, an adult brand, actually you can, 
you you have a theoretically at least a customer for the rest of their life. Can you tell us a little bit more about your loyalty program in general? Like how do you recruit like new members? What is like the most sort of like the biggest reason why someone would become a member? They are to a certain extent brand loyal. They, they like our brand. And then of course, well, in all honesty, even though we want to to reduce the amount of discounts, you get a discount when you're entering. Yep. And that is, of course, a very interesting and good motivator. But to have real brand loyalty, just giving discounts is not something that is driving long-term loyalty. We have a quite vivid community that is giving us a lot of good feedback. Yeah. And especially the Swedish customers that knows us, we have such a strong brand in Sweden. Yeah. They are very much engaging with us so Mm. it is super to have so engaged customers and they are often gathered together in the in the pop plus environment so Mm. we have currently around 400,000 420,000 if if i remember right active customers yeah i mean i think it's very interesting what you said about like discount you know i'm like i'm as a customer like a little bit tired of like all website offering like 10 percent Discount if you subscribe to the newsletter is like, what are you going to tell me? I mean, mm. 10% if my purchase is maybe like, you know, 500 or 600 sec mm. is not a big amount. No. So that's not what really I care as a customer. And I think a lot of brands actually miss out on, you know, engaging more at the brand level, like telling me the story mm. and telling me why I should shop at their store and what they can do for me and what I can do for them. And to really build a relationship instead of just throwing out discounts, because yeah. that's not, I mean, I receive so many emails with discounts and that's not what I, and I mean, that ties back to what you said, like you actually see higher engagement in other type of communication than just, than just discounts, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's a very short term. It's a, well, the discount junkie and, yeah. and that the, the whole industry has been for the last years and now also with tough times outside yeah. it is crazy the amount of discounts that that is hoovering around in society mm. and in all markets yeah but it's part of the game but it's also that has to, to stop yeah it is not sustainable for anyone no. to continue like that so i hope that we can together as a business yeah. uh, go down in in the discount rates because yeah. it's it is not uh, healthy no, no, not financially not environmentally but also i'm interested because you said like you have a very engaged customer base which I think it's really like an asset to collect actually feedback from them. So I, I would have like two follow-up questions. One is more like, do you collect feedback on the product? And have you ever thought about working together with your customer to design your next collection? Or, because that's something which is coming up more and more. And we have, we have discussed a few times in this podcast. And then the second question would be more, how do you actually work with user-generated content already? Yeah. And maybe you can explain a bit about that because I think it's also... But we can start with the feedback collection and how mm. to improve the product. Uh, we have some test pilots. Okay, cool. That are helping us with feedback because at the end of the day, we make children's wear that's supposed to make the children being able to play. So we need to test them on... Uh, real, uh, real, real kids. <laughs> with real kids out playing and giving them the hard time that, uh, well, any any garment gets when it's on, a, I don't know, a three-year-old that yeah. is wandering around in the park. That gives us good feedback. And then also we have super engaged pool artists or our employees. Yeah. We, we try it on children yes. to our employees <laughs> and and they are also great test pilots. So looking at the durability or new colors before we start production. Okay. And when it comes to the second question, which was like about the user generated content, mm-hmm. I as a customer, actually, I really appreciate it when I see on the website, you know, like, real kids wearing the product mm. actually you see it like in real life you see the product differently 
And I think in can impact both conversion and returns, maybe a bit less in kids, you know, but yeah. sometimes I think, of course, like the photo studio, like looks amazing, but it's not really how it will look on you. And when you actually see it on someone who looks like you, even though it's a parent who mm. pay for the kids, like how my kid will look like, mm. I, I think it can also have like some sort of like push on the impulse when you actually want to buy something. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we use, use generic content. It is different from our own picture, but that's yeah. for everyone the same. Yeah. That's why you want to use, use generated content. And yeah. There's also, it's helpful to have an engaged community because they will, they're sort of also proud of, oh, that's a nice picture of my yeah. child with the Poulain Pyridon. For the customers, it's engaging and something that is rewarding to being yeah. posted on or the being website, sent yeah. out in the website or on, on social media when you see that, of course, it's GDPR, so we have to make sure yeah. that they allow us to, yeah, to use course. it. But, and a lot of very nice, actually funny pictures can come from user-generated content. And when it comes to the um, like loyalty program and how you work with loyalty, there was like one last point I wanted to have us talk a little bit about is on the um, post-purchase journey, because I know that you, you work with a platform called Hoyado for your CRM and loyalty campaigns. And th there was like a case study actually about how you communicate post-purchase with the customer where you had like impressive opening and re-engagement rates. So I'm just wondering, what do you communicate usually in this post-purchase email and how do you make sure it drives engagement and on the long-term like sales, like what's your strategy? Yeah, good question. We, of course, with the post-purchase, what we all get annoyed with is that when you get especially a discount on something that you've already bought, yeah. that is the worst post-purchase yeah. <laughs> that you can have. We're not there yet, but the dream is to sort of, when we see that, okay, you've bought a specific item for your child, and we know that usually after this long time, the the child would have outgrown that item. Then mm. asking, then saying the customer that we've uh, well, you probably have this in your wardrobe. If it's not fitting anymore, please come in. We're ready to to take it back as a second-hand item, and and having that loop, we're not there yet, but, but, right, but that's, that's something that we will work. Yeah. So I think that is also some kind of a post-purchase quite long afterwards. Where yeah. you then can also inform the customer that it's maybe high time to come back yeah. and okay, sell us that item that you bought before. And then you're welcome to look to see if there's something new, interesting uh, in our stores. Mm, yeah, that's very interesting because we have seen the post-purchase journey being quite overlooked by many brands for quite a long time. But now we see like more and more interest. Mm. So why do you think that part of the journey was like not that? Well, for us... It's a little bit about managing your data as well. So we're getting better and better in analyzing our data and acting on the data that we have. So that is something that is also helping us now and going to help us in the future to, to be able to take right actions yeah. uh, based on structured and good data and not just a sort of a, an entrepreneur's stomach feeling. Now that is not good enough. And we have also we have half of what we sell is online. And yeah. then you get even more data, data. Yeah, yeah. and you can follow the customers in a more thorough way. But then we also need to, with respect to the customer, obviously, but we need to act and react on the data that we get in. So we're Very not there yet. We're yeah. working on it. But this is also something for the future that we, we're quite confident that we are on our right way to to be able to work with the data that we have. But it's it's not a quick fix, but uh, we're getting there. Interesting. And where do you think, if you look at the market in general, like in this area of post-purchase, where do you think brands should invest more in or focus more? Have you identified like some areas of improvement? Like, do you think the data situation that you shared is, is common? 
or is it usually like brands who are working a lot with acquisition and not focusing so much on loyalty or have you yeah. seen any trend there? Yeah, it depends a little on where you're coming from. Mm. So the e-com players that are, that are born into a digital era, for them, it's much more normal because it's been from day data. one. Yeah. This is something that they, to manage and master the data is something that they have known from, from birth, reading. so to say. Mm. For us, the, the chain retails that have turned into, and we are now becoming more and more of a e-com player, so half of what we sell is yep. online. So we've taken the shift over. But of course, a lot of our colleagues that are still geared towards bricks and mortar, it's, it's, it's a challenge to get there. We know from, from our own experience and journey that it's, it's quite painful. If you don't master your data, well, you're not going to Make win mm. the, the, the battle of the customers. Yeah. So you really need to, to get there. And I think we're all... Yeah, well, in different speeds, but the retail sector as such is is gearing and heading towards that. For a lot of us, it's maybe easier said than done. Yeah. We have taken the step over now. We have a new IT infrastructure. We're working hard to master our data and to be able to, to act on it. But uh, it's been a lot of investments in new IT structures and also getting on board some really good sharp minds that can help us yep. in this work so mm-hmm. right so work on work in progress but okay uh, so yeah we're it's on tr- transition still yep. um very yep. interesting cool but thank you very much uh, Joanna, i think it's a wrap thank you again for sharing all your knowledge if you have any company information if you're recruiting if you want to share your details please feel free to do it now thanks sophie for having me well um i'm on linkedin you want so anyone who wants to contact me the easiest way is to go there now we're looking forward to 2023. It is probably going to be a year of, of challenges yep. for all of us with the microeconomic and the world situation that we are facing. But we're quite confident 2022 was good. It was also a turbulent year. So flexibility and managing our data will be key focuses. So we are confident that onwards and upwards we go. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Yuan. Thank you so much, Yuan, for such an incredible chat. I'm really, really inspired by your sustainability values and how you link that with the durability of your product. I want to highlight your secondhand store and how it's also becoming a big part of what Poland Purity is nowadays. And kids grow out of their clothes really, really fast. The lifespan of clothes is short. With your secondhand store, parents can resell you the Poland Purity articles that they don't fit the kit anymore and in return get vouchers that they can use on other secondhand or new items in your store. And aside from the business side of it, of course, it's an incredible way to engage with your customers and build a strong customer loyalty. So this strategy has proven to be definitely working out for you because sales have actually grown steadily in the last few years. And that I think is super interesting and attractive. But before we wrap this up, I also wanted to touch upon the communication around sustainability. As we know, like company needs to be careful in how they communicate their values to avoid falling into greenwashing. And a key takeaway from this episode regarding this subject is something that you want mentioned. It's better for customers to recognize the brand's sustainability effort themselves than rather than the brand to over-communicate it, which could actually make it look like greenwashing. So let the customer experience your sustainability itself. So thank you very much for such an interesting episode, Yuan, and for sharing your knowledge on e-commerce with us. That's it for today. We'll see you in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Have a good one.